Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this podcast, you will hear inspiring testimonies, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Wherever you're listening, we hope you lean in, listen closely, and be blessed. As we read through the Berit Hadashah, or New Testament, we see many people getting immersed. Also known as baptism, immersion is when someone is dipped into water after coming to faith in Yeshua, making a public declaration that they have repented from their sins and chosen to follow their Messiah. Immersion remains an enduring part of our faith in Yeshua, and it has a rich and complicated history. To guide us on this journey, we have invited back our New York Regional Director, Robert Walter. I now introduce the host of our Hope Podcast, Abe Vazquez. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we're we're back here with another episode of Our Hopes, uh, episode two in our eighth season now. Um, it's been awesome, right, Nicole, to yeah. to go this long and to be consistent. You know, podcasts can be hard. It's just, you know, trying to come up with the scripts and come up with the guests and everything. And so um, we're just super grateful to have a really great audience too. We have a few hundred people listening to us every week and occasionally a few thousand. And so if you're listening, thank you so much for being a part of our community. We're so grateful. Uh, last week was awesome uh, with Seth. If you hadn't had a chance to listen to it yet, you can go back and listen. Um, it was really, really wonderful. So today we have Robert Walter otherwise known as Bobby, if it slips. But <laughs> Robert, uh, thank you for joining us again. I mean, I, I feel like we're on almost every season, right? Yeah, I think it's getting a little bit uh, too much here, Abraham. Yeah, we, we, we might have to limit your uh, appearance on, on this podcast. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. no, okay. well, first, I just want to say, you know, mazel tov to, uh, to your team and to all of you guys for season eight. That's yeah. uh, quite, a, quite an accomplishment. And uh I know that uh, the podcast has definitely blessed me in my walk. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. So we, I mean, by now everyone knows everything about you because you've been on this so many times, mm -hmm. but something they may not know is what's your favorite movie? Oh man, that's a, that's a really good question. Uh, it's hard to narrow it down to just one. 
Um, but I'm just going to, uh, I'll say this. My favorite movie right now, okay, is actually not just one movie. It's the uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, yeah. Man. And, yeah, you know, I know it's been out for like 20 years now or close <laughs> to 20 years. But it just, it, it endures. Like yeah. just uh, very rewatchable, very yeah. engaging, mm-hmm. you know, action, good dialogue, you know. Yep. I'll tell you what I did when uh, when Amelia, my daughter, uh, she was born. Uh, there were a lot of times where I had to, you know, watch her at uh, like midnight and, mm-hmm. and things like that because she wouldn't go back to sleep. You know how it is. Yep. And yep. Uh, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. I went through the entire. <laughs> I, I did from the Hobbit and then I did Lord of the Rings, and nice. it was such a cool experience <laughs> to just yeah. see all of that. <laughs> well, the important question is: Did you do the extended editions? <sighs> or the original cut? Uh, mm-hmm. It's a good question. Uh, I probably, I think it was the original. Okay. Was the original. Okay. I should do the extended. Yeah. The I next mean, child. Adds... I'll, I'll do it for the next child. The next extended. child. Yeah. yeah good, good plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we're in, we're at the end of January now. Um, so yeah. we're sort of a 12th way through the year. <laughs> and, um, I'm just curious what, I, I guess, even though we're in the new year already, what are you most excited about for 2022? Um, there's a lot more year left. And so right. like what in your ministry and cho- for chosen people ministries, like what are you most excited for? Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm more hopeful uh, that we will finally get past a lot of the, uh, the disruptions that COVID has caused over the past few years, especially mm-hmm. in New York. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, New York has been a, uh, quite restrictive and careful and and it's been hit pretty hard by covid mm-hmm. uh, a number of times already so i'm really hopeful and, and praying that uh th- that this will be the year where we're sort of able to to get back to more of a normal kind of state uh in new york when it comes to ministry so that means mm-hmm. you know we're, we're we're sort of kicking around the idea and praying and really thinking hard about um having our our shalom new york mission trip Mm-hmm. Uh, this yeah. coming summer. So right now we we have it tentatively planned uh, for like, you know, late July, early August. Mm-hmm. But we're being very careful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's what I'm looking forward to. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm also looking forward to it. Yeah. A lot of us can't wait to see others face to face again. Um, you know, we have a lot of people in the ministry across the country and some we haven't seen in two years mm-hmm. um, because of, you know, just the way the world is right now. But um, can't wait for it. Um, so today's uh, episode is somewhat, I don't know if I'd call it controversial, but it sort of is. Um, mm-hmm. Many of our listeners will know it as baptism, um, yeah. but we're we're going to use the word immersion. <laughs> would you would mind explaining a little bit why we prefer to, to use immersion over baptism? Sure, sure. Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the word baptism. Uh, yeah. It comes from the Greek baptizo, which means to, uh, to dip or immerse, or it could also mean sprinkle, honestly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's the word that's used in the, in the New Testament to refer to this... Um, uh, this sacrament or this tradition uh, that's or ritual that's uh, that's used in the life of a believer to signify that they have been born again, that they have accepted Yeshua, Jesus as their Messiah. Um, and <clears throat> part of the reason in a Jewish ministry that we prefer to use the word immersion rather than baptism 
is honestly because of the historical baggage Mm. uh, that the term baptism carries in the minds and hearts of the wider Jewish world. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we'll talk more about this as we go through the episode here. Uh, but there's a dark history, a dark history of uh, anti-Semitism and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the Christian church persecuting the Jewish people and forcing them to convert uh, or giving them the option to, um, to either convert or die, you know, mm. as if that's an option. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and baptism kind of became like emblematic of that persecution. Right. You know, because that was like the the dividing line, the the marker that indicated that a Jewish person mm-hmm. uh, now has officially become a quote unquote Christian. Mm-hmm. So, I I think a lot of us know baptism or immersion from obviously the New Testament. Um, you know, John the Baptist. Um, I that's sort of where we see it really prevalent. All right. But what about the Old Testament? You know, there's a lot of practices we read about that are also in the New Testament that are in the Old Testament. But sure. is immersion one of them? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we do we do see uh, immersion or baptism or, or uh, some some form of that in the Old Testament. We see its foundations, its roots in the Old Testament, and probably in in two major areas um, uh, that both have to do with the tabernacle or the temple and ritual cleansings that would take place. Uh, so the term that's used is mikvah. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> mikvah uh, refers to like a pool of water or uh, you know a bath of running water that was used in a ritual uh, way, in a ritualistic kind of way to uh, symbolize that a cleansing was taking place or some kind of transition was taking place. Um, at the same time, when we also look to the um, when we look to what happened and what took place in the tabernacle in the temple, uh, we do see that uh, part of the furnishings when the layout of the tabernacle was given, you had the outer court, right? So you had yeah. the holy place, which was like uh, in the structure itself inside where the holy of holies was, where the table of showbread, the altar of incense, the menorah. Uh, and only certain priests could go in there at certain times. And then you have the outer court. And the two main uh, furnishings that were in the outer court, one was the altar where the, you know, the offerings would be uh, presented uh, mm-hmm. and, and sacrificed. And the other was this huge bronze laver, like a big tub that was filled with clean living water. And that water was used uh, to ceremonially and ritually cleanse uh, different things. It cleansed uh, the priests, it would cleanse the worshipers, it would be used to cleanse uh, different vessels that had become unclean for different reasons. Uh, and uh, so uh, that in many ways was kind of like a uh, a picture of uh, what would eventually become like the, uh, the New Testament expression of baptism. Mm. Yes, and we know that... Um... This idea of the mikvah, it comes from the Old Testament. We read in the Torah about water being used for purification. Uh, we know that the Levitical priests, as you said, had to bathe in water before offering sacrifices, for example, on the Day of Atonement. And we know that if people become unclean from touching somebody who is sick, they are required to bathe in water. And that kind of sounds obvious to us. You know, if you touch somebody who's sick, you should wash your hands, that kind of thing. Um, but why, why was this specifically commanded? And what did the water symbolize? 
really, uh, I mean, what it symbolizes is a cleansing that takes place. And ultimately, it's like a, a snapshot, a picture of a larger truth uh, that points to what God does for us. And at that point in history, when the tabernacle and the temple were in operation and functional, it was pointing ahead to what the Messiah would do for us, right? It, it was pointing ahead to the fact that the Messiah was going to come and he was going to cleanse us because we are unclean. We, we have this sin nature that we've inherited uh, and uh, that we're born with uh, since the time of Adam and Eve, and, uh, and we need cleansing. And there are many, many passages uh, in prophecy that point forward to this cleansing. Uh, now, yeah. one other thing I want to mention, it's really interesting when we look at uh, how the, the water was used in the tabernacle uh, for these cleansing purposes. Right. So, uh, yes, the priest would use it on Yom Kippur, on the Day of Atonement. Uh, and someone who had come in contact with someone or something that's unclean, they would have to do it to to show uh, that that uh, that they've been cleansed. But it was also used to uh, signal the transition in life that a priest would go through when he would begin his priestly service. Mm -hmm. So in Numbers chapter four, verses one through three, we see that a priest would begin their service at the age of 30. And mm -hmm. what would signal and what would be part of the ceremony of them transitioning from being an inactive priest or a priest in training to now being you know, an active priest would be this yeah. sprinkling of water, this, this uh, cleansing with water. And the Hebrew word that's used there is nazah, okay, nazah. And uh, nazah. this is an important word because it's used there in Numbers. Uh, in Numbers 4, it's used in uh, Exodus 29 when uh, Aaron is going to be set apart for priestly service. He's sprinkled with blood and water. It's used in Leviticus 5, uh, verse 9, in Leviticus 8, verses 11 and 30, again, to, uh, uh, to show that Aaron and the priesthood would be sprinkled with water and with blood uh, to prepare them. And even the, uh, the, the altar would be sprinkled with blood and, and the furnishings in the tabernacle would be sprinkled with blood to set them apart for this special duty and this special service. Uh, and when we compare that with the New Testament, you know, I, I don't want to jump too far ahead of ourselves here. Uh, but when we look at the, uh, the baptism of Jesus, mm -hmm. right, when he goes to John the Baptist or John the Immerser or John the Baptizer, uh, and he and, and Jesus himself is uh, baptized, well, he's at the age of 30 and he's beginning in many ways his priestly service, right? He's yeah. beginning yeah. his priestly ministry as he is uh, taking one step going uh, closer and closer and closer to the cross where he would make atonement for us. We'll be right back. Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. Is it possible for Jewish people to believe in Jesus when there's such a sad history of Christian anti-Semitism that has shaped Jewish attitudes towards the gospel? Well, I know there's hope because I'm Jewish and I believe in Jesus. And I would love to offer a few suggestions for reaching Jewish people personally with the love of God through Messiah. 
First, keep your message personal. You're representing a person, not a religion. Second, be loving, patient, and kind, even when they object. And then finally, and most importantly, pray. Touching the heart of your Jewish friend with the good news of Messiah will also touch the very heart of God. And you can learn more by visiting Chosen People Ministries at chosenpeople.com slash radio. Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Bobby, that's incredible. I actually, I, I didn't know that about the priests. Um, I, my mind is pretty blown right now. Since you kind of talked about the New Testament, Nicole, why don't you just read that passage for us, just so we have a little bit more context? Yes. So this is Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answering said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I think we've answered the question, why did... Yeshua need to be immersed. Um, but Robert, can you kind of elaborate a little bit more? Sure. Um, you know, I mean, he's God, right? He, he, right. he is God. Why would he, why would there even be a need for him to be immersed? Right. Right. Well, so John's baptism was a little different, right? Um, and it's actually probably important for us to sort of take a look at what was the view on baptism or immersion or the mikvah in the second temple period. Uh, and the second temple period, it's you know from about the year 500 BC all the way through the year 70 AD. Very important time period for us as you know, students of the Bible and followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in, the, in that time period, uh, the mikvah or the immersion had, had definitely expanded beyond the confines of the temple and the tabernacle. Um, and we know this uh, when we look at the, the Qumran community. So the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were discovered uh, at a, a region in Israel called Qumran, which is right on the western shore of the Dead Sea, uh, in between the Dead Sea and Jerusalem. It's, it's a desert, right? And um, there are a bunch of caves uh, that are there in, in like, I think in 1947, 1948, uh, the story is kind of sketchy, you know, but uh, there were two uh, Bedouin uh, shepherds who were going through the, the the desert there and sort of throwing rocks into caves that were uh, in, on these hills. And when they threw a rock into one of them, 
they heard pottery breaking. So they went inside and they found these ancient scrolls that were over 2,000 years old, copies of, of scripture, he, copies of the Hebrew Bible, um, and that had been just, you know, uh, preserved because of the dry climate uh, in the desert for, for so many years. And, um, and, and then excavations, you know, started to take place. Uh, in that area. And what they found is that there was an entire community that had set up shop out there. And um, and they were a very unique community. It's believed that they were a bunch of priests who were fed up with the corruption that was taking place in the Temple of Jerusalem. So they separated themselves. They viewed themselves as like a new covenant community, actually. Wow. And this is before Jesus came on the scene. Uh, so many, many date this to like a, around the year 200 BC or, um, mm. you know, but um, anyway, uh, yeah. so they view themselves as like a new covenant community and they were very strict and, and ritual cleansing with water with the mikvah was huge in this community. So if you go there today, you'll see that what they've excava excavated uh, and what they found out there is all kinds of, you know, different uh, places where they lived, but there are a ton of mikvahs or mikvahot, mm. right? These ritual baths that were out there. So uh, the mikvah, the immersion was, again, uh, had expanded and extended beyond the confines of the temple. And people would go through the baptismal waters for a number of different reasons, okay? So the priests, like I mentioned, uh, would go uh, and, and be sprinkled, be you know cleansed with this water at the age of 30 to start their ministry. But uh, there are many other reasons. Uh, a woman, when she finishes her menstrual cycle each month, uh, even to this day in the in the Orthodox Jewish world, they go yeah. through the mikvah. So where I live in Brooklyn, there's a bunch of mikvahs around here. You know these these private buildings uh, where women will go, and you know they'll uh, under the supervision, and they'll go through this cleansing, this ritual cleansing every single month. Uh, men will go through it for different reasons. Um, uh, people, uh, a bride and groom before they before their wedding day will go through a mikvah together because it's it's signaling a transition in their life they're mm. uh, they're going from the single life to the married life so they're going through this transition and they're going through the cleansing waters and the transitional waters to show that a, a change is taking place now on top of this now you know there's a reason I'm mentioning all this mm -hmm. uh, when we look at the second temple period another reason another use, for the mikvah or the immersion was for someone who was converting to become Jewish. So a Gentile person who was becoming Jewish, who was attaching themselves to Israel, who believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, there was a ritual conversion process. It's believed. It's believed that there was a ritual conversion process that a person would go through. And it involved three things. One was they would have to offer a sacrifice the second is they would have to be circumcised. And then the third would be going through a mikvah. And by mm -hmm. doing that, uh, again, it signal signaled that a change was taking place. Uh, and even today in the rabbinic uh, literature um, that we have and, and uh, as it's lived out in the Orthodox Jewish world today, for someone who converts, someone who uh, is Gentile and then they convert and they go through that process, which today involves circumcision and a mikvah, uh, they're, they're viewed now as no longer Gentile. They are mm -hmm. Jewish. And, and it's an insult 
to even refer to them as a convert or, or even to mention uh, their, their former life as a quote-unquote Gentile. Now, this, this was circulating in the Second Temple period. So in the world of John, yeah. in the world of Jesus, in the world of Paul, uh, this use of a baptism was in operation. It was, it was known. So when John came on the scene, his baptism was different. His baptism is described as a baptism of repentance, right? Mm -hmm. And in many ways, uh, it, it was calling people to repent, calling people back to God's word, back to God's truth. But it was also preparing the way for the coming of the Messiah. A transition was going to take place. A big transition was about to take place uh, in, in you know, God's economy of salvation and in the history of the world. And John's baptism was like uh, getting the place ready, you know, getting, getting the house in order, calling people to repent of their sins, come back to God's word, and go through this mikvah uh, to be prepared for the coming of the Messiah. And what John says um, uh, as he you know, refers to Jesus in, in these early chapters in the Gospels, uh, he uses terminology that says that he's coming with a certain kind of baptism, right? John is, but that the one who comes after him is going gonna, is gonna to baptize us, uh, not just with water, but with fire, mm -hmm. right? So, um, so th this was pretty big. And, and when Jesus was baptized uh, by John, it wasn't because he was repenting. It wasn't because he had any sin to repent of. I mean, he's the Messiah. He's God with us. He's, he's God in the flesh. He's, he's perfect. Yeah. He's blameless, right? Uh, and he even says, permit it at this time. For in this way, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So Yeshua himself is saying, look, we're going to do this uh, because, you know, partly because it's uh, fulfilling all righteousness and it's the right thing to do and uh, to show that he's ceremonially clean and to demonstrate that he's a, uh, a person, uh, you know, God with us, uh, who's transitioning into this new phase of his life and his ministry as this this uh, this great high priest um, uh, and that this new era, this new age was being ushered in, right? And this is the first step and the way it begins, uh, really, you know, it's amazing. The first steps uh, that Jesus takes when he comes out of those waters, it's like the first steps that he's taking towards the cross, mm -hmm. right, wow. right? The plan is in motion and, and the kingdom of God, he can say now, is at hand. I think I have more questions, but I don't think we have enough time on this podcast. We're going to have to have a <laughs> episode three about <laughs> immersion. <laughs> this yeah. is um, this is really awesome. Robert, thank you um, for just giving us that history. Um, yeah. So much that I'm learning, listening to all of this. So you briefly mentioned, you know, Yeshua will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Um, maybe explain the difference between the two. Are, are they connected at all? What's going on there? So I, I think to, uh, to answer that question, we kind of have to go back again, right? We have to go back mm -hmm. to the Old Testament, to the Tanakh, right? And uh, remember earlier we mentioned the Hebrew word nazah that's used in Numbers, in Leviticus to refer to the sprinkling that would take place. Right. Well, that word is used, you know, frequently in the Old Testament. And there are uh, a few passages prophetic passages uh, that I think are important for us to look at so that we can make the connection 
between the foundation that's laid in the Tanakh with this picture of cleansing water and the sprinkling of the water uh, leading up to what Jesus was ushering in. And, and uh, I mean, honestly, the, the uh, baptism uh, by, with fire, right? And really what he's pointing yeah. to is the Holy Spirit, the power mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit uh, that was coming, that was, you know, part of the new covenant promises that God had made. And ultimately we see it unfold. But there are two key passages that I want us to just look at very quickly because they help yeah. us. You know, they help us uh, sort of uh, get a handle on, um, on, uh, on, on the meaning of those words of being baptized uh, with fire and with mm -hmm. the Spirit. So the first one is, is Ezekiel 36, right? So Ezekiel 36, beginning in verse 25. Uh, this, is what, this is what the prophet wrote, okay? And, and this is God speaking to Israel. Right. Actually, I'll back. I'll read verse 24. Right. He says, for I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands and bring you into your own land. Verse 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. Mm -hmm. And that word sprinkle, it's the same word. It's nazah. Again, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. So like pause there for a second. What's he saying? He's speaking to Israel and he's talking about this national cleansing that's going to take place, that God is going to do, that God's going to bring about. And mm -hmm. it will be like a holistic cleansing, right? It's not just a, a ceremonial cleansing that's taking place. This right. is God cleansing the nation of Israel um, uh, for all their filthiness, for all their sins and all their idolatry, right? Now we keep reading verse 26. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Okay. So again, this uh, cleansing, this nazah that's going to come, this sprinkling that's going to come, it's not just external, it's internal now, right? He's talking about a heart transition, a heart change that's going to take place. I will, I will give you a new heart. I mean, that, that's huge. Right yeah. now, verse 27, how is he going to do that? What's the operative means of this transformed heart? I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. So the way that God is going to do this, the way that this sprinkling, that this cleansing, that this, you know, mikvah, this baptism is going to take place, this new heart is going to take place. It's by the power of his spirit. Okay, so again, this is he's referring, he's speaking to Israel directly here. Now, turn with me to Isaiah, Isaiah 52, beginning in verse 13, going all the way, all the way through chapter 53, verse 12, right? Isaiah 53, this is, you know, a, a portion of scripture that's, you know, fairly uh, familiar in our ministry, right? We're, we're, yeah. we're accustomed with this. Well, the way that the prophecy begins in 52, 13 through 15, those three verses are like the preamble for the rest of chapter 53. It, it gives the summary of the whole prophecy. It tells us what this special, unique servant of the Lord is going to do, what he's going to accomplish through his suffering, right? Mm -hmm. Through him being perfect and blameless and not deserving the punishment, yet putting himself in position, laying down his life as a sacrifice, as a guilt offering, to pay for the crimes, sins, and transgressions of the many. And 52.15, this is what he says. Thus, 
Okay, look, as a result of his suffering and his death and his his uh, becoming the sacrifice, he will sprinkle many nations. And there's that word again, nazah. Okay, yeah. um, he will sprinkle many nations. So Ezekiel is talking about this sprinkling that takes place. Uh, for the nation of Israel, right? That is part of God's promise. And here Isaiah is sort of broadening the view of this sprinkling ministry uh, that uh, that the Messiah will accomplish through the shedding of his blood. It's not just going to be Israel. It's going to be all the nations, uh, the entire world. It will have a global impact, okay? Uh, thus he will sprinkle many nations, a global atoning impact and cleansing impact. And we, again, learn more about what that cleansing means when we combine Isaiah 52, 15 with Ezekiel 36. It's a new heart and it's by the power of God's Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And to sort of tie it in with the New Testament, uh, when we come to the book of Acts, uh, uh, you know, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Yeshua, right? He's He's perfect. He's blameless. He's gone to the cross. He's obtained eternal redemption for his people. He's he's provided the shed blood for our sins. He's he's our priest uh, who's active. And in Acts chapter one, uh, verse five, before he ascends to go to be at the right hand of the father, he speaks to his disciples uh, and he tells them to wait in Jerusalem. Right. He says, you heard from me for John baptized with water. This is Acts 1, verse 5. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Mm-hmm. And then in Acts chapter 2, sure enough, when Shavuot the, or Pentecost uh, had fully come, God poured out his Holy Spirit. And it started with those disciples. They were transformed, right? They had new hearts. Uh, and, and it was by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that was, you know, this, this cleansing baptism that was coming uh, in, in fire, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with yeah. these tongues of fire uh, and, and transforming the lives of these disciples. Thank you for explaining that, Bobby. And we know that the baptism in the Holy Spirit was necessary in order for uh, Yeshua's disciples to fulfill the Great Commission, which we read about in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He told his disciples to do three things, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them his commands. Mm-hmm. So why is baptism essential for those who choose to follow Yeshua? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> well, first, I, I would say that the uh, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, that's essential, you know? And, and that's something that comes at the moment of uh, a person is born again. Uh, that that's, comes at the moment that a person acknowledges and receives Yeshua, Jesus, as the Messiah. They, they are changed and transformed. Um, and again, when we look at uh, what baptism represents, what it means, it's a transition, it's a change. And when a person is born again, the way that I explain it to people that, you know, whether I'm discipling them or, you know, new believers, uh, when we think about what happens in a baptism, you enter into the water as one person, you go beneath the water completely where human life cannot be sustained, right? So it's a picture of death. So the old person dies. And when they come up from the water and they take that first breath, it's like the first breath of new life. So a a believer will go through the baptismal waters uh, to make a public proclamation that 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 has happened to them, 
that they have been transformed, that they were one person. They were, as Paul describes, we were dead in our trespasses, uh, but we have been baptized. For by one spirit, we are all immersed. We are all baptized into one body and we are baptized into the Messiah. We enter into his death with him. And at the same time, we come up from those waters and we breathe that, that new breath. And we have that Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. Hmm. Uh, and uh, so the, the process of going through baptism is symbolic of what has already happened in the life of a believer, that they have been born again. Hmm. What would you say to a Jewish person who says, oh, if you get baptized or if I get baptized, I'm, I'm no longer Jewish. Like it's, it's, I'm done. That's it. Like that's a real reality. That's a reality. Yeah. Many Jewish people have said that. So what, what, what's the truth behind that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's a good question. And I think, you know, the approach that I've generally taken through the years is to try to unwrap, you know, that statement uh, from its historical baggage. What I really want to do is, is get the focus on the scriptures mm -hmm. uh, and get the focus on what the what the word actually teaches and that this idea of baptism this ritual this the ceremony the sacrament of baptism uh is thoroughly jewish and yeah. it has jewish yeah. backgrounds and jewish roots it's got prophetic significance and mm -hmm. uh and you know for anybody who's going to be baptized uh i i would argue that they must be a believer so bobby thank you for explaining just the history behind immersion where it comes from how it works and we know that the reason we picked you for this episode is because you have seen several Jewish people come to faith in Yeshua who have freely chosen to be immersed. Could you share any stories about their experiences? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, just recently, um, uh, when the weather was nicer, uh, uh, we went down and we were privileged to uh, have a baptism service ceremony at, uh, at the beach in Coney Island. And this was in September of last year, and um, one of our one of our you know people, a Jewish man who came to faith, actually at the start of the pandemic, uh, it was just such a powerful moment for him uh, as he went through those those baptismal waters because it was honestly because of the historical baggage, uh, because of the weight of uh, of the, the significance of what was taking place. Um, and he was able to see beyond the historical, you know, baggage and the persecution and understand that uh, it's not him, you know, becoming a Catholic, right? not, to, not to bash Catholics. It's not him, you know, uh, not becoming someone who's not Jewish anymore. It's him going through the process and, and being able to stand uh, on the shore of, of Coney Island at the beach and share his testimony of what Yeshua has done in his life and go through those waters together and enter into the water. And, uh, and, and we prayed with him and with tears in his eyes, he understood what was happening in that moment, that he was letting the world know that Yeshua, the, the, the Jewish Messiah, the Messiah of Israel, the, the one, the, the perfect servant of the Lord that we read about in Isaiah 53, that sprinkles many nations, uh, the one who makes it possible for Israel uh, to receive a new heart to be cleansed, uh, that this Messiah had changed his life. And that as he went through those waters, it was him being able to come up out of those waters and walk with great confidence 
uh, knowing and trusting uh, that that Jesus had changed his life. Yeah. Robert, thank you so much for joining us once again. This was an awesome, awesome episode. Um, and just to hear the history, um, yeah. to hear that immersion is very Jewish. All of this has been very encouraging, and I hope everyone listening has been encouraged. Thanks, Robert. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Yeshua Messiah is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. Acts chapter 8 verses 36 through 38. Immersion is a simple but powerful way that we proclaim our faith in Yeshua. It is an outward symbol of a change that has happened on the inside. All our sins have been washed away through Yeshua's sacrifice, and in Him we have been made clean. If you have any questions about immersion, email us at believe at chosenpeople.com. We would love to talk to you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Our Hope, featuring Chosen People Ministry staff member Robert Walter. This episode was written and co-produced by Nicole Vaga and edited and co-produced by Grace Wee. This episode was also made possible thanks to Dr. Mitch Glazer, Kyron Bautista, and Rachel Larson. I'm Abe Vasquez. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out OurHopePodcast.com or ChosenPeople.com. You can also support our podcast by giving today at OurHopePodcast.com support. See you next time 